0: Bell Pancakes and joining me tonight on the stack, I have Cold Stone Tim Boston. Mr. Boston can be seen scooping out the pain across the Midwest in places like Magnum Pro, Pro Wrestling Phoenix, Midwest All Star Wrestling, um, 3XW Wrestling out of Des Moines, and Midwest All Pro. Additionally, he is one of my favorite people and best friends. Please welcome Tim Boston.
1: Hi, Val. That's uh, quite the introduction. I have a lot to live up to now. So,
0: <laughs> well, you—I know that you'll succeed because you're awesome, and I have the utmost faith in you. <laughs> so, um, just to kind of start out for people that may not be as familiar with you as uh, as I am, um, how long <laughs> have you been, <laughs> How long have you been wrestling?
1: So I uh, trained with Magnum Pro, and I don't know, it, it's called the Wrestle Factory now. It was just called uh, Jason Strife's Garage back then, but uh, I trained in the spring of 2015 in Council Bluffs, Iowa with Magnum Pro and Jason Strike. who was a guest that you had on a month ago, a couple weeks ago. Yeah,
0: probably about a month, month and a half. Friend of the monkey show. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Friend of the stack, Jason Strike. <laughs>
0: And, um, how did you decide
1: where to train? To train, uh, in the area that was really, that's even to this day, the, the Wrestle factory is the only school in kind of the Omaha, Omaha Council Plus area. Uh, there's a couple of promotions that they'll be training, if you want to call it that, before their shows and stuff like that. But once a month is really not enough to kind of get you up and running to really learn the basics. Um, to put anything together that's going to make you safe in the ring, that's going to make you an effective wrestler if you want to try to turn this into into any sort of a career. Um, But my history with training and things like that. So let's jump back maybe 2013, 2012, 2013. Uh, A friend of mine, he goes, we need to go to this wrestling show. You love wrestling, I love wrestling. Let's go. And we went and saw a Magnum Pro event in... Uh, Oakland, Nebraska, and it was one of the benefits for their local um, firefighters uh, union there. And I kept thinking, I was like, there's no wrestling here in Nebraska. This is going to be a train wreck. This is going to be awful. It's going to be a bunch of people that should have stopped wrestling 20 years ago in gym shorts and tank tops. This is going to be terrible. But they advertise cheap beer, so I'm like, maybe we can salvage this a little bit. And, um, we actually get in there and there looks like to be a standard run of the mill, uh, professional wrestling ring. There were, you know, I had this big fog set up. They had these giant speakers set up. It looked like as legit as you could get, like in a small town USA. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, maybe I kind of judged this a little bit. I jumped, I jumped the gun a little bit and I actually saw like Pro wrestling. It wasn't people wrestling and falling down. Like, this actually looked like stuff that you'd see on TV or this, if you saw went to a house show for WWE or, or Ring of Honor or whoever it might have been at the time. And uh, I went, I need to get involved in this somehow. I have a graphic design degree. I've been doing graphic design work for about 20 years now. And I was like, I want to help them make t shirts and stickers and buttons. I want to work on their logo, I want to work on their posters. I just want to be a part of this, and so through kind of harassing some people online, through catching people, hey, hey, I do t-shirt designs. If you ever want something, and I hand a hand a business card or whatever, and after I think kind of like a kind of just wearing some people down, month after month, show after show, uh, someone goes, uh, okay, you seem to be persistent about this. Yeah, let's go with one of your t-shirt designs, and it sold really well. Um, and so that turned into one thing after another. And then it was, Hey, do you want to do our, our logo? Yeah, absolutely. And then, Hey, do you want to do, um, some posters for us? Yes, absolutely. Oh, oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. Why not? And so, uh, it jumped from there and then it was, Hey, just so you know, in the spring of next year, which would have been 2015, we're opening a school. If you're interested, you should come on down, you know, just check it out. See what it's like. And my initial goal of getting in on wrestling was to be a manager i always liked uh the ringside kind of uh, characteristics of like bobby the brain heenan and stuff like that i thought like that's fun i want to do that i'm not sure i can do the wrestling bit but i i think i can do the managing bit and jason strife was like any good heel wrestler the fans are going to want to see him get punched in the face so you need to learn how to throw the strikes and take bumps, and put all the matches—you uh, know—the match psychology help put that together. That way, you know when a manager should jump in, should when they should kind of you know, steer away from the action and stuff like that. And you're like, but you know, just, just, just—you know—that's where my, that's where my mindset is at. You need to do this first, and then um, I kind of just took to it. Stuff took really naturally. Stuff came very organically and putting it together, and then here we are, going on six years now. So,
0: So what was your first bump like?
1: First bump. Uh, The first bump was actually one of those training shows that I was talking about before a show. And uh, I hit my head really hard. (laughs) 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 Um, They're like, if you just walk your legs out from under you, try to land flat on your back and tuck your chin. And I did everything but the third part. And I hit smack. And, uh, I remember like, things kind of went weird in, in my, like the taste in my mouth went kind of sour, like I hit pretty hard and I was like, oh, that's not, that's not good. And I could just feel my neck just tightening up, like as the rest of the afternoon kind of went on and I'm like, this isn't good. And so for a couple hours and maybe a day or two afterwards, I was kind of doing the, the Terminator look, where I <laughs> to, like rotate at my, at the, at the midsection. So. <laughs> so-
0: What was your first exposure to wrestling?
1: Exposure. Okay. Um, this was one of the questions that I thought of ahead of time. So I'm going to tell you a bunch of stories just to get to this one answer. So I apologize.
0: I apologize. Um, You could be my longest interview.
1: Perfect. Let's go for it. So Nebraska, specifically Omaha has like a very rich professional wrestling history. Ted DiBiase, Sting, uh, Mad Dog Vichon, like they're all kind of from the area. And so, um, they would always swing through. My mom, when she was in college, uh, actually saw quite a few of the old wrestlers. And so, wrestling has always really been kind of a thing in my family. For Monday Night Raw, that was the one night of the week that I could stay up past like my school bedtime, you know, to watch an hour of wrestling or whatever, because it got over it at, at nine or whatever time it. So the first time that I saw wrestling was on TV, and I was a huge Hulk Hogan and Macho Man fan. I love like classic Shawn Michaels uh undertaker was my favorite whenever we'd go to like a live show i always wanted to see the undertaker and he was he wasn't there until i was almost 22 i think like like it took quite a while for me to see him live uh at a show but um it's now long gone so let's pour one out for the omaha civic auditorium but um uh, they used to uh wf used to do a lot of their house shows at the Civic Auditorium, it was like every year, every 18 months, they'd come by. And it seemed like they were always uh, in town right around the time of my birthday. And so my dad would always get me birthday. Uh, they always give me tickets for my birthday. And so um, we're going, was I front row? I, I remember being very up close and I saw the Mountie take on Shawn Michaels. And I remember I saw a guy flip off the Mountie and it blew my mind like i think i was like seven or eight but it blew my mind i was like you can do that in public and he's not in trouble are his parents here like just like this just drove me crazy when i was like seven or eight um and so uh later on kind of in, in that in the show i see papa shango come out and I, I always thought papa shango was cool he was this giant voodoo man like why not what's you know what's to not like about papa shango um And so he comes out and he's, he's shaking and he has his skull. It has the smoke pouring out of the top of it. And, uh, this woman sitting next to us, she reaches into her purse and pulls out a crucifix and she holds it out at him. And he walks right up to her. I mean, he, they're within arms distance. They could touch each other. And he rolls his eyes in the back of his head and he starts chanting and shaking and she is praying to him. And I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. I love professional wrestling.
0: That's awesome. Like That's a really, like, that's a really cool moment for you. Like, I wonder if it's, was it just a house show? Like, I wonder if you could find it anywhere.
1: Oh, I don't think, I think, uh, I think Hunter Hearst Helmsley had one of his first matches at the Omaha Civic Auditorium. Uh, I'm trying to think who was, like, who was there. I remember, like, going to some of the old shows, and I remember seeing, uh owen hart was there and he, uh, he they would play brett they would play the bret hart music and so people would stand and cheer and then owen would come out and yell at everybody that, that you know they they like the wrong brother that he was the one that they should be cheering for and, and seeing old like diesel and adam bomb and stuff like that like those are the those are kind of the house shows that i remember but i don't think they uh, nebraska does not get a whole lot of live televised events when it comes to pro wrestling so i think we've had One or two pay-per-views. I think one pay-per-view at least.
0: I think, like, back in the day, there was, like, a WWF in your house. And then I know that they've most recently done, like, a Judgment Day at one point, because I took my Mm. mom for Mother's Day.
2: (laughs) That's awesome.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I think that that's the extent of what I know as far as for pay-per-views. I know every now and again there'll be like a Raw or SmackDown, but you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, what was a young Tim Boston like?
2: Annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I was the energetic class clown i loved making people laugh i loved entertaining people and i think that's uh growing up like that is really kind of what's influenced my professional wrestling style being a more action-paced uh an action-packed kind of faster-paced comedic wrestling was really just the stuff that i was doing as a kid just to entertain my classmates and entertain my sisters and stuff like that so um i was a Sorry, I'm seeing some of the stuff come from, from Dog 83 in the chat. I do get it. It's really funny. Uh, so, um, uh no, I was, if I can get someone to laugh, if I can get kind of someone to like, just like make her <laughs> even just like grow and like roll their eyes at me, that was my drug. I loved it. I wasn't into sports. I didn't play basketball or football or anything like that. I loved acting in front of people. I loved performing in front of people and And stuff like that. So, that 10-year-old Tim Boston was whatever he could do to get a laugh or to get a rise out of people.
0: So, how did that factor into your current, I don't want to say gimmick, but like character and persona (laughs) as a a wrestler?
1: Sure. I don't know, I've always had like a real quick wit, like just real, just able to snap jokes off or like bad puns or like anything to kind of get someone to grow and roll their eyes. I love dad jokes. I'm not a dad, but I love dad jokes. Um, that was kind of always something just you know, like bad jokes, bad puns, self referential humor is something I've always kind of really liked. Uh, like growing up, I loved the movie, um, airplane. I love watching the Naked Gun movies with Leslie Nielsen, like kind of that self, that referential humor of like, hey, this is a funny joke in and of itself, but if you've seen the movie or the skit that they're making fun of, this you'll like this on a whole other level. Uh, and that's kind of how the Tim Boston character works too. It's almost, like think if you took like meme culture and this kind of very self-referential fast turnaround, uh, you know, something's like hot today, cold tomorrow, you know, find the next one. That's kind of what Tim Boston is. It's like very self-referential very self-referential, very pop culture-based. So that's kind of how I decide everything for what Tim Boston does in the ring and on social media.
0: So at at this point, you've been wrestling for like six-ish years. Mm -hmm. What would you say has been your greatest achievement in wrestling up to this point? And you can... Say like a title, or if you had like a really specific match or opponent.
1: Um, I haven't had my best match yet. There's matches that I like, but I haven't had my last one. I'd be happy with it. Um, in uh, I had I, I was on a podcast uh years ago and. Um, one of, the, one of the promoters from Party Hard Wrestling down in Mesa, Arizona heard it and then messaged me and he's like, you sound like a perfect fit for us. We'd love to have you down. And I think I was like two years in to for wrestling. I was still kind of figuring it out, still putting all the pieces together. And I just looked it up on the map and I'm like, that is 24 hours of driving. Like that's that's not even taking a break. That's not stopping somewhere to eat. That is twenty four hours on the dot from Omaha, Nebraska to Mesa, Arizona. I would love to make this work, but I I can't. I was like, and if I go out there and I suck and I have the worst match of the night and I have the worst match of the year, that is a long time to drive back and to rethink all those steps and all those, you know, direct you know, misdirections and mistiming and miscues. That's a long time to think about that stuff. And so I was like, uh, give me a year. I'll get back to you in a year. I'll get back to you. And then uh, one day we just connected to get on Facebook and we kind of started talking and, and then it was like, oh, we started following each other on Instagram and so we're messaging each other back and forth. And I just went, hey, uh, I don't know if this offer's still on the table, but are you, you know, what would be the options of me coming down and wrestling for Party Hard? And this was through Instagram and they just got a response back about five minutes later that said stop being weird message me on facebook like everybody else <laughs> so um, so i was like oh, okay well it's not a no so okay maybe there's something to this and um uh so we're just going back and forth me and uh, and brandon we're just kind of messaging back and forth and he's like well, what days do you want to come down we've got openings in this month this month and this month and I'm like you know what let's end the year on a high note let's hit december of 2018 i think it was 2018 um i want to make that happen let's make that let's let's do this it's like all right sure what do you want to do in pro wrestling where do you want to go and so we just started talking about some of the companies that i had my eye on some of the performers that i really wanted to work with or work against Um, and uh i've always been a big fan of hood slam and wrestling pro wrestling out of california and so Brandon was like, we've got Sheik, Anton Voorhees, and Serial Man coming up from California. Do you want to wrestle Serial Man? And I'm like, yes. Like, I was, I'm reading it over and over again. Like I'm getting this, right? Like, there's no way. Do you want to wrestle Serial Man? Like, yes, yes, I want to wrestle Serial Man. Like I practically jammed my hand through the, you know, through my phone screen trying to answer that question as emphatically as possible. Um, so. For me, one of my biggest achievements in wrestling is having a, having kind of the guts to go out there and, and fail. Um, it's a very – you can really kind of get in your own head very easily and very quickly, and you're like, everyone's staring at me. I don't want to be the worst match on the show. I don't want to be the cigarette break or the bathroom break or the, hey, now's a good time to go get a drink. That drove me crazy for a long time. Um, I'm finally starting to put together kind of some matches that I'm – i'm confident that people are paying attention to and it's really starting to get some some attention and some traction here and there uh but kind of one of the big um, kind of achievements that i've had in wrestling is flying down to arizona wrestling a complete stranger in front of a crowd of strangers having probably you know one of the top three matches that night um making a whole lot of new friends and then coming back like that was it was kind of cool that was such an out of the element thing for me but um so that's, um, another one was, uh, getting to wrestle one of the names that I've looked up to for a long time in Minnesota wrestling and kind of Midwest wrestling for like the last 15 or so years, Ryan Cruz has been kind of one of those top names. Um, he's really, uh, established what independent Midwest professional wrestling is. And so in the spring of 2019, I was able to go up to Minnesota and wrestle him and just had a real bang every match, a lot of fun. Uh, we both kind of work a real fast pace hard-hitting comedic style, we made her, the photographer laugh so hard, her mascara ran and she couldn't take any more photos of us. And she yelled at us during the match. She's like, damn, you guys, you're making me laugh so hard. And and so that's another, that's kind of one of, that's up there. That's top three for me, that experience.
0: So, um, when you went to Arizona and you wrestled Mm -hmm. at Party Hard, you wrestled Serial Man now. I feel like I've seen highlights of you wrestling Jody. Did you wrestle
2: Jody? Yeah. Um, As,
1: yeah. Was so that me, Jay? Sir, yeah, uh, we, uh, serial man and I, we hugged, we made up, we got on the same page, we joined forces with macho mouse to form the league of Lactose down at party hard wrestling. And we took on the Bayside besties, which, uh, was Jay cafe. Jody, and then, oh, I wish I could remember the third one, but it was like, essentially like Screech, AC Slater, and a Zach Morris type. And uh, yeah, so I just got real brief interactions. Um, I've been on two shows with Jody With Jody himself. He changed his name a little bit now. Um, uh, but yeah, I've got… I think it's on IWTV, but you can catch some clips of me wrestling Jody. Cause at one point he posted like a
0: highlight video and I was like, wait a minute! I know that guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm taking an unprettier in that highlight video. Not a highlight for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's good to see the Midwest talent getting out and doing anything. Because I feel like that doesn't always occur here.
1: Yeah, that was uh, for... Kind of my day-to-day, unfortunately, I do have to travel from time to time, and so I'll go to industry events all over for design work and illustration work. And I was talking to someone, and they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm in San Diego, California. And they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, Omaha, Nebraska. And they like, ne- Nebraska? Like, they, they couldn't place it. And they're, I'm like, yeah, it's smack dab in the middle of the country. And he goes, it's purple. And I'm like, yeah, on a map, it is. it's probably purple, but it's not really purple it's a lot of like grays and and wheat colors but yeah yes right in the middle of the country yeah.
0: grays and wheat colors that's <laughs> a way to describe it yeah that's fairly mm-hmm. accurate so what would you say has been your greatest obstacle that you've overcome in wrestling
2: to this point uh
1: i kind of talked about this a little bit about flying down to Arizona, but just, it's really easy to kind of get in your own way and to sabotage your own success, uh, just go for it. Like if I had to give myself, if I had to give advice to myself five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would say just go for it. If there's a company you want to work for, reach out to them, get in contact. Some people say like the worst thing they can say is no. You can't get fired from a job you don't have. So why are you sweating <laughs> reaching out to somebody or trying to make contact with somebody?
0: So when you travel, what mm-hmm. do you listen to? Do you have, like, road music or podcasts that you would recommend?
1: Yeah. Um, so usually sure. when I'm driving somewhere, like uh last year, so I have um, – I pride myself on my wrestling gear. I think I have really creative, unique gear. And one of my favorite sets of wrestling gear that I've only worn, worn in public once was my SpongeBob set of gear. So the trunks look like SpongeBob's clothes, and then I have long white socks and knee pad covers that look like SpongeBob's long white socks. Uh, that idea came to me at like two in the morning in March of 2020, um, when the time change happened for spring forward so it was eleven fifty nine and all or whatever 159 and all of a sudden it's 359 you know whatever time it changes uh, And i just kind of got this weird yeah <laughs> good luck uh monkeys i don't know if you're gonna find it that was a uh, funny thing about that gear is right around the time that i got it and i was like i'm gonna start wearing this that's when everyone kept started coming forward and being like this person's a sexual predator and this person's an awful person in locker rooms and i'm like yeah i'm not I'm not wearing this in public anymore, uh, so, um, uh, but driving up somewhere, I usually listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, kind of, uh, talking or, or conversations, whatever. It, it kind of makes the travel time go faster. Uh, a lot of the places that I get booked at are probably six, seven, eight hours away from me. I don't have a problem getting in the car and driving somewhere by myself. As a matter of fact, I kind of prefer it, to be honest with you, but, um, I'm uh, driving, I love podcasts or stand-up comedy or anything like that. And then driving back, I usually listen to something a little bit louder, a little bit heavier, kind of keep the adrenaline up, kind of keep the, you know, stay awake that much more.
0: So what I'm hearing is speaking out killed the SpongeBob gear.
1: It did. I just didn't want anyone to go, like, when did you know Tim Boston was a weirdo? And then they just go, that, <laughs> when I saw him wear that.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so uh, I've, I've worn it to, uh, Magnum Pro does Patreon shows on Saturdays, and so I've worn it there uh, just to be kind of funny and goof around. Last year, around October, we did a Halloween-themed show and so I wore it there where it was appropriate. Every, every match, it's probably not appropriate, but, uh, the character and the kind of style that I want to get across is something that's funny. Um, but as also, I have a very grounded base in professional wrestling and kind of in traditional professional wrestling. Um, and so I tend to wear stuff that looks a little bit more stone cold, stone cold like, or, or very, you know, when someone says, describe a professional wrestler to me and they're like bald head, beard, black trunk. I'm like, boom, I got it. Check all three.
0: So, while we're talking about your gear, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you went a little bit viral uh, within the past week or two um, with, your, with your gear. Do you care to yeah. explain <laughs> the, the yeah, gear and how this, how this occurred?
1: <laughs> I should have grabbed them, but uh, I refer to them affectionately as the dumb trunks. And that is, uh, when I first started wrestling... For the first like six or eight months, I wore black bikers. I really wasn't that confident enough to go the full-on brief, the plain black trunks look. So I tried to cover up as much as possible, um, but still kind of getting the character across. So visually, like, oh, I get, I get who he's supposed to be. Um, so I started kind of getting really into social media, and I was posting some of the logos that I had, and I was posting shirt designs on instagram and on twitter and i had someone reach out to me on instagram saying hey i do uh costume design for cosplayers cosplay is a lot of standing still standing stationary posing taking a photo posing again taking a photo it's not really too much movement going on but that's a like wrestling or kind of like um uh, kind of like action sports, like I don't know what, what I can't remember exact words that they used at the time. This was four and a half, five years ago. Uh, but they're like, I want to get into like stretch fabric and like four-way stretch materials. If I make you a a pair of trunks, can I put them in a portfolio to show that I know how to use this stuff? Uh, absolutely. I'm thinking like there's no money coming out of my pocket, so if these don't work, I'm not out anything if these don't look good i don't have to wear them and i don't put my name on anything so it's not like they could tie these back to me if it looked bad or anything like that so i'm like yeah absolutely and so i send them some measurements and they go what kind of design are you looking for and i um i had started branding myself with this uh this melting skull logo i had it on some t-shirts i still don't have some stickers and some buttons and so i'm like that's what i want people to see and know this is called stone to boston so i wanted to put the gear deniability essentially yeah um so uh i started i started working with with someone that had had made gear designs before to me kind of wrapping my head around like a 3d design like okay if it if it starts on the front but stretches onto the hip and then finishes on the back how do i show that (laughs) in a flat drawing someone to make it and to make the make the design look good so i was working with someone i was like i think i want a logo here like i don't know like a skull or something here and just put this blank on the front and just do this blank on the back and um and so there's an email chain between me and the gear artist, kind of workshopping back and forth and so one of the very first drawings is sure enough kind of two black what looks like those two black pieces of underwear, one with an arrow that says front, another one with an arrow that says back. And then, um, I think on one of the butt cheeks, it says a skull or something here. So we finally get the, the, uh, Melting Skull logo in its place. We finally figure out where everything should go. And so I was like, perfect. This is great. And I forward all that information to the person that's going to do the designing of the gear. And about four weeks later, I got a mail, I got a package in the mail, black trunks that sure enough on the front say front and then on the back say back and then on the left cheek say a skull or something here complete with a little X on it. And I, at first I laughed really hard because I was expecting another package to be like, there's got to be more in this box than just these, these dumb trunks. There's no way someone made this. Like, this is a cake wreck of professional wrestling gear, right? Like, there's no way someone did it this way. Uh, No, they did exactly that. And so I just messaged them and I'm like, hey, I think you read the first part of the email and not the last part that actually shows the final design. Did you, did you mean to make that part? And it took about a day to get back to me, but they went, I think I read the wrong part of the email. (laughs) (laughs) So I think yeah, it's popped up there uh, right now. But all the pictures um, that have been shown of me being on the show, there's my black trunks that say "front" on it. You can see it right then and there. What was really funny is when I the first time I wrestled in Wisconsin, I wore those just because it's usually a funny icebreaker. People want to come up to you and talk to you about it. It's a great way to get people to come over to merch because they want to have a conversation. And. Uh, I'm standing there in the ring, I'm kind of stretching, and this lady just goes, you got those on backwards? And I had to look down and look at them. But it's like, nope, they say front, on the front. And she just laughed. She thought it was so funny that I even had to look down. I dress myself. Why would I think they're on backwards?
0: <laughs> I would probably do the same thing if that were me. But um, see, like, when I found out that that was a mistake, I was really surprised. Because <laughs> because that really just like seems like something that you would do to be funny because so of I, the person that I know that you are.
1: I wish that I had that level of creativity that I can just turn that on. I make dumb jokes uh, in the chat, Stu Dog. I photoshopped his forehead to be about five or six inches taller <laughs> on a poster. Uh, there's a, I do some of the posters down here for Magnum Pro. There's a wrestler that's like six foot eight, six foot nine. Um, uh, he's considerably taller than all the other wrestlers, so I photoshopped him to be stretched off of the match screen graphics, and he's so much bigger than everybody else. That's I have a very surface level style of humor. There's really you're not digging through layers in the jokes that I make. It's either you get it or you don't, because it's right up in front. And so the fact that people are like, oh, that's fake. You fake those. I'm like, I I wish. If I could fake those, I'd be a millionaire by now. Um, that tweet, though, that kind of had, like, some traction to it, I did have to recreate the screenshot of uh, of the message that I got from the gear maker to kind of fit, um, I think it was Boer's. Uh, the board is War. He was kind of tweeting out like what the design inspiration behind someone's just you know someone's gear and then the inspiration behind it. So just to fit that format, to fit that that kind of setup, and then the delivery of it, I did have to recreate that email. So it it, it looks fake, and you can even see me in the reflection of my computer taking a picture of my monitor. So yeah,
0: um, you do you do all the posters down here don't you? I don't know who else would do them.
1: Yeah. Um, I do the stuff for Magnum Pro and then I've been working for, with a company for, I'm on their second show now, uh, New Wave Pro Wrestling out of Indiana. Nice.
0: Cause I know Mm -hmm. that for a while on the Magnum posters, you were doing like a little, like, um, hidden.
1: Easter egg is what that's called. (laughs) 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 Um. Uh, one of the guys that I trained with, um, that uh, he's kind of uh, more an MMA fighter. Uh, I think now he's a more of a pro wrestler than MMA fighter, but he still does a lot of the MMA stuff. I would hide him in people's hair. <laughs> and so I would drop the opacity down and then do a soft edge and hide him in people's beard, or I'd hide them in people's hair. But I think I did that for seven or eight months before I told anyone. And then when I told the promoter, he laughed so hard he started crying.
0: so. <laughs> So, like, old-timey Magnum fans, if you want to go look at some old posters, um, if you have watched Magnum at all, you know exactly who Tim is referring to.
1: Um, yep. So you
0: can, you can play Find That Wrestler if you'd like.
1: Find that, TJ. <laughs> <coughs> and
0: I apologize. I am a little under the weather today,
1: so. Well, I'll, I'll do the transition for you. Speaking of weather look at this look at this um so um one of my favorite travel stories is coming back from minot north dakota getting stuck in sioux falls and then making it about 10 minutes before doors um for a magnum pro show so i wrestled on a friday night drove 11 out it's a show on a thursday then I got stuck on Friday, and then made it back on Saturday for wrestling. Um, so as we're leaving town, I'm traveling with someone that I like to jump in the cars with. I like to just pick their brain. If I'm ever kind of stuck, if pro wrestling isn't really clicking, if the pieces aren't coming together, I always bounce ideas and kind of bounce troubles that I'm having off Duke Cornell, a wrestler in the area. That he's going to be traveling a lot this summer, so if you keep an eye out for Duke Cornell, you'll probably see him on a show uh, near you. He's doing a lot of traveling. Um, but he's like, hey, I'm, I'm wrestling up from in Minot, North Dakota. It's an 11 and a half, 12 hour drive. It's a son of a bitch of a drive. But if you want to go, I'm sure I can get you on the show. If not, if you help set up, I'm sure that they'll find something for you next time you if you want to come up, So we're jumping in the car and I think we've been about 15 minutes outside of town and we hit two birds with the, against the windshield. So already, right? Like that's, you think, it's a bad how event. often does that happen? You don't hit, you rarely hit one bird and we hit two, so pretty cool, right? He just goes, got one, got two, and it's kind of just like, yeah, like this. So, um, uh, so we're driving back from Minot and we're hearing that in Sioux Falls, they've received anywhere between 18 to 24 inches of snow. And we're thinking, hey, if we get on the road now we can make it through the snow before it gets that bad and make it back into nebraska and back to omaha before the show starts on um, saturday we're like absolutely let's go so we pack up we're in the car real early by the time we get to to sioux falls they had snowed maybe a foot if not a little bit more and they had started shutting off all the entrances and exits on the interstate so not only can we not get to anything nobody can get on so if we were to drive into the ditch nobody can get onto the interstate to come pull us out so eventually we had to drive like wiggle through these cones and wiggle through the arms to get off the interstate and on the highway and then back to a gas station and so we're taking these side highways because we thought they'd be a little bit safer in the event if we did get stuck in the snow or if we didn't get um go into a ditch it'd be a little bit safer people would be able to get to us so We're talking, Duke and I, we're talking about anything and everything, kind of just past the time. We're watching the clock. We're watching the speedometer of the car. And it was like some, it was a very fuel efficient car. So it was built like a roller skate. If we would have got a long, uh, a hard breeze, we probably would have flown off into the next county. But we're driving very slow and we're just talking about anything. So I'm asking Duke, like, what's your, what's your mindset? You're getting ready to go through the curtain. What do you play through in the back of your head that gives you this confidence? Duke always comes out, slaps his chest three times. Who's the man? You know, that's his, that's his battle cry. And he goes, I think back to the time when the entire gym looked at me when I was deadlifting. He goes, I deadlifted close to 600 pounds. And he goes, every eye was on me when I put that weight down. And he's like, that's a great feeling because if you're in a gym and you're impressing people, you're, you're moving a lot of weight. He's like, I know that if I have that plan in the back of my head, I can run through a brick wall. I'm unstoppable. like, that's awesome. That's great. So as he's kind of getting done telling me this story, we um, start to swerve through the snow and then just get high-centered, where we've now moved out of the tracks of snow and we're kind of in the the middle of the road. And so uh, I get out to see, maybe I can dig us out a little bit, maybe i can move some stuff out of the way and we can kind of make traction with the, with the street again and after about 10 minutes of not going anywhere eventually we see this chrysler town and country it was like a reverse mirage we weren't in the desert dying of thirst we were in the snow hoping for warmth like that's kind of where we were at so this maroon chrysler town and country kind of comes out of the distance and pulls up right next to us. He goes, "Hey, are you guys are you guys stuck?" Which is kind of a stupid question. Like, why else would we be sitting in the middle of the road? So, <laughs> uh, he's like, "Well, just a second. I'll back up." And so, what? And he pulls behind us, and now it's two cars sitting right in front of each other, uh, back bumper to back bumper, in the middle of the road. And he kind of he walks over to the passenger side and he's talking to me and talking to Duke, who's driving. And he goes. All right, what I'm going to do, he's like, I've got some gym bag. I've got some stuff in the van. He's like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to push the van up to your car. I want you to slide the gym bags in between our car, and I will just push you free. The gym bags will make sure I don't scratch up your car. I'm like, that's a, that's a really good idea. So, Duke Cornell just got done talking about this 600-pound deadlift that he has. He sounds super strong. I can't do 600 pounds of anything. And he does one lift at 600 pounds. The dude's strong as hell. So the guy looks in the car and he goes, sir, do you have a driver's license? And he points to Duke. And I'm thinking, he's driving the car. Of course he has a driver's license. And then he looks at me and he goes, sir, do you have a driver's license? Yeah. And he goes, okay. Because I don't. So if anybody comes over and pulls us over and wants to see what we're doing, he's like, you were driving the car. I was in the passenger seat. He's been in this car the whole time. All right. All right. Let's do this. So we back away <laughs> and sure enough, he pushes us about 10 feet. We were able to kind of get back on track, drive through, you know, drive through the snow. The rest of the trip happened without a hitch, but it was just so funny. Do you have a driver's license? Do you have a driver's license? Cause I don't. Anyway, let's go driving. So he got us to the edge of town. We saw him kind of pulling Yui in the street and then drive back. So I don't know where this angel, this snow angel came from, and I don't know where he's went, but I appreciate him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever, like, attempted to figure out where he was from or who he is? Or are you just, like, um, better off not knowing?
1: I, you know what, it was a lucky day. I think, we, uh, I think we have some spirits looking down on us. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to go with it. I do have uh, I, one of the companies I wrestle for quite a bit, um, not so much recently, but uh, when I first got started in wrestling, I would go to Midwest All-Pro out of Sioux Falls. I've told quite a few people that story, and they go, oh, yeah, that's something people in Sioux Falls do all the time, literally. I think like in the Midwest, like there's tornadoes and people are like, Hey, tornadoes. And they'll go and they'll stand on their porch and they'll watch like the clouds turn colors and they'll kind of watch the wind start to move things. Uh, in Sioux falls, they, uh, they help people get stuck out of the snow. So.
0: I wonder if he has like a tally of, of like how many people he's helped or I'm like, or what if you would have said, no, we don't have driver's licenses. And he'd just been like, you're on your own, kid, or he could have killed you.
1: Yeah. I'm... I don't know. I think we got lucky on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was just kind of crazy. Just, it was a very cerebral moment. Sure. Sure. And then he got us out. He got us out of the snow and off we went and we made it to the show on time. We did kind of a quick uh, sink shower. We kind of just wash what you can splash some water in. uh, Made sure we got changed and ready to go, and uh, wrestled the show that night and had a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) So, do you have any other really good um, memorable road stories?
2: Memorable road stories.
1: I'm trying to think. There's a lot better done by my that I drive by myself. Uh, I. Uh, in 2019 and into 2020, before things kind of started to shut down, I was in Minnesota, uh, driving in from like six to nine hours, two or three, uh, two or three times a month for like eight months in a row. And unfortunately there were some times I couldn't get anyone to come with me. You know, I made it into Wisconsin and I was like, I'm going to get Tim Hortons. I've heard about this stuff for years. I'm going to get Tim Hortons. And then we get there. They were all closed. Apparently, there's a huge licensing disagreement, and they closed all the Tim Hortons. So, uh, didn't have Tim Hortons, didn't have Tim Bits. I will one day. I will one day. <laughs> uh, in in five years, let's do a follow up story. And you're like, "What's your greatest wrestling achievement?" And like, uh, championships, opponents, and like uh, donuts one time from Canada. And That's all I'm gonna say. yeah so, well, uh,
0: Tim sound like appropriate for Tim Boston.
2: Thank
1: you. So, uh, but yeah, driving back to Minnesota, I was wrestling in um, uh, Twin Cities. I was wrestling kind of all over, anywhere from between six to nine hours, kind of driving to the state. And so a lot of my stories are me uh, getting kind of droopy-eyed and sleepy at like three in the morning, knowing that I have four more hours of driving to do. Getting home, trying not to wake up my dogs. Taking a very fast shower and then going and doing my shift at the gym that I work at later in the morning. So that's kind of what my wrestling weekends are. Um, so unfortunately, my travel stories are pretty boring. And it's like, yeah, I stared at the side of the road for seven hours, and then I got home. Crazy, <laughs> right?
0: Fun um, travel,
1: y'all. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I do have. At least I find this story very entertaining. And this was, um, I am not, I am not a. I'm not to the level where I should be hosting seminars or training people how to wrestle. So you will never see me make that claim. You will never see me jump up in front of a uh, group of group of wrestlers and say like, you know, crack the knuckles and be like, stand the F back. But uh, (laughs) as I started, (laughs) as I started (laughs) to kind of get a little bit more experience, um, I wanted to go back to the training school that i had gone to and help out some of those students i'm like i can't lead this training class i don't want to leave this training class but i can help the head trainer out. i can help jason strife out i can jump in the rings that way he can kind of take a back seat and he can just kind of watch from a distance uh foot placement ring placement timing things like that jason strife is a big stickler on kind of those things he really wants you to be a ring general know where you're at at all times, know where your opponent is at at all, at all times and be safe when you're wrestling. So I'm like, I can jump in there. He can take a backseat. I'll help. I'll help. I'll be a helping hand. And the way that Jason Streisand sets his rings up very early on when you're training is he kind of just drapes the ropes off the turnbuckles. He doesn't tighten them like you would see on TV or you'd see at Showtime. They're very loose. And he's like, his mindset behind that was like, if you were coming close to the ropes, you're way off center. So you do not want to rely on the ropes to keep you coming back to the middle. You need to have that in your head the whole time you're working. So we're working this spot. We're kind of just turning over the spot over and over again. Lock up, push to the corner, big push out, guy rolls backwards. Uh, and this is literally five minutes into class. I back up into the turnbuckle. And when I go to shove the person, my shorts got stuck on the up hook of the turnbuckle and me moving forward. I shredded them the entire seam from the middle of my shorts all the way to the elastic band, which is about this far shredded. I went from wearing gym shorts to like this very nice soft loincloth like that. It just split. There was nothing I could do. And I'm standing there going, there's an hour and 50 minutes left of this. And I've split my pants. I'm of no use now. The one thing I wanted to do, be a helping hand, and I can't do it anymore.
2: <laughs> How did you find the situation? Uh,
1: I told Val <laughs> lost it. Uh, I uh, we joked because uh, strife saw what happened, and I'm surprised he didn't just laugh at me. He just said, get, get out of the ring, go home. Like, cause, But he's very good at like, realizing, like, you big dummy. I can't believe he just did that. So he just goes like this. He just calls his move to me. And I went, uh, I think it was Vic uh, Nicky Stent. He now wrestles with Nicky Stent. But I went, um, Nick, do a sunset flip. And so I just, I leaned down, and he jumps over me. And essentially, he just kind of drove his face next to my now-exposed butt cheeks in training, so.
2: <laughs> just, why that's so funny to me right now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was just one of those, like, dumb things. Like, I've fallen off the stage when we were setting up a show. I've, I've hurt myself in very dumb ways. I consider myself to kind of be like, um,
2: uh. Like the Roger Rabbit
1: of professional wrestling, if the spot is funny, I'm unstoppable. You, I can get, I can take a bump, get slammed down, I'm right back up. But if I'm trying to be serious wrestler, be like, all right, we're gonna do this. We're gonna put all these pieces together. It's gonna be great. Uh, I get hurt on like the dumbest things. I've fallen off the ring. I've fallen off the stage. Uh, one of the times I was telling people, hey guys, be careful. This isn't locked down. So you want to make sure that. And then right as I said, make sure that I stepped off the stage. And the entire inside of my right leg from my ankle to about mid-side just got scraped up the side of the stage. I'm the only one that's hurt. Besides scrape on my skin, I didn't run the risk of like hitting my head. I didn't grab my elbow like I broke it. No one, I didn't hit anyone around me. The only person hurt is me, and it's really more feelings and pride than anything else. <laughs> and Jason Strife just looked at me, and he goes, you just mouth the words, you idiot. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like something Stripe would do.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. So see, I got to go back to this. Ooh. I Cheese that I was going to talk about all these things, and then I forgot. You get me talking, you start laughing and giggling like a like a crazy person, and then I forget. So okay. A crazy um, person. So let's see. We talked about Papa Shunga. We talked about how annoying I was at ten years old. Uh, drove around with strangers in Sioux Falls in a snowstorm, chicken wearing pants. This is one of my favorite stories. So I'm not going to mention who I was in the car with. It's a former WWE superstar that at the time was recently released. But I will say this much. He was a damn rose. (laughs) Okay. So we're driving back from Sioux Falls. We've been in the car Sioux Falls to Nebraska is a little over three out. I think it's right at three. If you push it, maybe two forty-five. If it's making a couple stops, making a couple, you know, pit pit stops here and there, probably about three and a half, four hours. So we're driving back. And I'm with this former WWE superstar that the entire time that we're driving, he is taking apart his vape rig, turning on the dome light, showing me the piece putting it back together, dome light off. And he's done this for ninety minutes, and he's telling me how Billy Gunn has a great uh, rig, how Big Show has a great vape rig. Sorry, I think my dogs are trying to get in. Uh, and he's going like, see, what you want to do is unscrew dome light this thing, and then tries to tell me about this thing, because what it does is, dome light off, turn back in. So he's telling me about all this stuff, and I'm meanwhile trying to drive. I do not want to kill the famous international wrestling superstar that I have in the car with me. And what's funny about that is uh, I got in a car wreck earlier that week. So I had a rental car and he goes, you didn't rent a car for me, did you? That's not necessary. And I tell, he's trying to be very (laughs) humble about this stuff. And I, Oh no, I got in a car wreck and he goes, ah, quick. That seatbelt went right back on. So, uh, so start the night off. We're in the, um, We're in a hotel and he wants to vape all the time. If he's not talking, he's vaping. And he was, he was very talkative. So he's like, I want to, uh, do you think they'll let me vape in here? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think you can do those indoors. And he goes, maybe I'll just go sit in a corner. Let's just go sit in a corner. And so we're in the corner of this hotel restaurant and he's thinking, as long as I just keep kind of blowing the smoke down my jacket, no one's going to be the wiser, right? No one's going to catch on to this story.
2: So um, he orders a double vodka and Coke,
1: and they brought him a double vodka and juice. But he had drank half of it, realized it wasn't Coke, and said, oh, hey, can I get this drink fixed? Can I get this fixed? And they go, absolutely. We're so sorry. So they bring him a, a double vodka and juice. So he's already had three shots of vodka by this point in like a 10 minute span. He's been vaping like a a chimney, like it is going out of style. And he is. And so the bartender eventually comes over and he goes, fellas, I hate to break the bad news to you, but I can't have you doing that in here. You're, you're sitting right underneath our smoke alarm. And turn off. we turn up, there's the smoke alarm like six feet above our head. So um, he goes he goes, well, I just ordered another drink. Uh, if I can, if I can get that to go, we'll leave right now. Which I didn't think at the time, like when the pandemic really got heavy, there were bars and restaurants that were giving you like margaritas and stuff like that to go. Like you can get those to go containers. This is 2017, I think. Like you couldn't get alcohol to go. And then… Were you in South Dakota? We were.
2: Is that a thing? Okay.
0: My parents
1: owned a bar for 15 oh. years in a small town. There are lots of to-go drinks. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of to-go drinks. Okay. So the guy is looking at us, and I think he was so concerned that we were going to set off a smoke alarm. He goes, yeah, I'll get a to-go glass for you. And sure enough, it was like a kid's sippy cup full of vodka and juice. So now we're on the road. We're driving back. We've been on the road for about an hour and a half, and uh, my passenger starts to see... Signs for Council Bluffs, Omaha, Lincoln. He's starting to see some big names, starting to see some big cities. And he goes, Omaha, that's where we're headed, right? Yeah. He goes, 90 miles. How far, how long is that? Oh, that's about an hour and a half at this rate. And he goes, he said, God, effing, damn it. Like he screamed really loud. And then he physically turned his body in the passenger seat to be as far away from me as possible. And yeah, I'm squeezing my arm real hard. So if this comes off cool on the camera, let me know. So he's sitting there. He's turned his camera. He, he has like one, one cheek in it in this chair to get as physically as far away from me because I was the bearer of bad news about how distance works. He now goes, <laughs> I hear him mumble something under his breath. And he goes, kicking on a chance. And I waited about three seconds. He didn't repeat it. And I went, I'm sorry. And he goes, chicken-wearing pants.
2: Hmm. I don't know what. And he goes,
1: look at this. And he holds it up his phone, and there is a video of someone that had knitted a blue pair of pants for a chicken, a farm chicken. And it broke him. The bad mood that he was in, because I told him we had an hour and a half left in the car. Gone. Alleviated. And he just goes, chicken-wearing pants. I'm going to share that. Types some stuff up. I just shared that. Ah, chicken-wearing pants. And then (laughs) it was fine. The rest of the show, the rest of the car ride was just fine.
0: So do you have this picture of the chicken-wearing pants?
1: I'm sure if you search it on Google, it'll probably be one of the very first ones to come up, but uh, the rest of the car ride was, was great. Um. He wasn't always talking about vaping machines and stuff like that. We were talking about the pro wrestling scene in, uh, you know, his home country. We talked about how people know the Guerrero family from Mexico. They know the Hart family from Canada. We know that there's vastly different styles, that there's kind of this melting pot in North America due to WCW, you know, of this melting pot of professional wrestling styles. What's the pro wrestling style from your home country? And he kind of talked about that and talked about some of the stuff that he wanted to do now that he was on the indies. The rest of the car ride was a great, a very educational experience, but it was just like those real tight seven or eight minutes that were very hot and very quiet and involved a chicken wearing pants.
0: So next time I'm ever in a position where I feel like maybe somebody is a little upset, I'm just going to be like, but have you seen this picture of a chicken wearing pants?
1: Yeah, it's like I know you're probably a little hot, but I can alleviate like that. You like chickens. I, yeah, I've yep, found, there we go, bald monkeys on Twitch. They just, they <laughs> found it, so
2: okay. there it is.
1: <laughs> Those look comfy, too. So, I don't know, they're uh, like sweatpants.
0: So they're like, I assumed like in my head I saw like crocheted pants, but
1: not the case. Uh. To me, they kind of look like loungewear. Maybe some joggers. Maybe uh, there's another piece of this outfit that made the the chicken look like a Russian gangster, a Russian mob.
0: Did the chicken pants have juicy on the ass?
1: I don't think so. (laughs) I just see the side profile.
0: (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Um, If the bald monkeys can go ahead and just uh, maybe tweet that out, that may be... A real delight. There you go. <laughs> and just with no context, just the picture. No context.
1: Yep. 20 likes, at least.
0: <laughs> For sure.
1: A chickens wearing trackers. There you go.
0: So, uh, while you're on the road and you're taking all these trips to these exotic faraway places, like Minot, North Dakota... Uh. <laughs> Um, what are some of your favorite road snacks?
1: So on the way to a show, I try to stay well hydrated. I try to eat almost like a small child well, like, whatever I can grab my hand on, that beef jerky, uh, kind of stuff like that, high protein snacks, kind of stuff like that, protein bars, something that's easy to eat while you're driving. Um on the way back, that's an entirely different story. I eat like I am a kid in a candy store. Like, I eat like you gave a nine-year-old $100 and said go to town. Like, I eat anything. Roller dogs, coming with me. Those wrapped little tornado things, mine. And if they're two for three, I may be vibrating like a crackhead, but I am going to be eating one on the way home. So there is, uh, the Any candy you can get at the grocery store at, the, at gas stations is like two for three. Those little cherry sours, those are mine. Circus Peanuts, Big Fan, uh, and Mountain Dew. Okay. So I rock with two or three of
0: those. Yeah. Circus See? Peanuts.
1: See? Circus Peanuts. Right.
0: Circus. Are you sure about this? Is that your final
1: answer? I... I only want them when I'm driving home from a place. I don't want them any other time, but there is something about it, right? And it's like, uh, like the McRib. Every year when it comes back, I'm like, damn right. I don't want to eat one. I'm just happy to see that it's back. I'm happy that there's a little bit of continuity, that there's some structure in this crazy world, and the McRib is that for me. Circus peanuts are the same way. I'm going home. I just need something to tell me that I'm going to get home. 99 cent circus peanuts. That does the job every time.
0: So, like, I know that you and I have talked about, we talk about candy extensively. Um, Mm -hmm. it's one of the things that we've built our friendship upon, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, the circus peanuts, I just, I I don't know how, no, I don't know how I feel about it. Like.
1: They're an unnatural orange and they taste like weird bananas. It doesn't make any sense. I'm convinced that they haven't made circus peanuts in the last 20 years, and we're actually eating the ones from 1991 still.
0: I mean, my dad likes circus peanuts. Your dad dad sounds pretty awesome to me. (laughs) They really have, like, old-person candy vibes. Yeah. But, I mean, I occasionally like other... Um, much contested candies so I will let you have those thanks I'm a I'm a big uh handful of candy corn uh, around Halloween kind mm-hmm. of gal and I we have discussed before we need a I need just one singular
1: peep at Easter peep. Just, just one yeah. and that's the only time if you put peeps around Christmas time I would hate it but there's something about Easter where it's like, you know what? I think just just one. I just need to remind myself that these aren't very good, and then I'll be fine for the other 365 days.
0: Exactly, it. You just need to have just one, and then just be like, you're right. This is all I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a seasonal thing. Um, what is your favorite <laughs> city? <laughs> Moving right along, um, because I, as you and I. Could talk candy for hours, probably. Could, because you're like a gummy candy guy, right?
1: I, I'm a blank like insert word candy guy. I like candy bars. I like chocolate. uh, I like Sour Patch Kids. Which I just want to say, Val, the snacks that you've had in the green room for this interview, top tier. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Uh, I believe. uh, No, I'll eat. As I say I believe I gave you candy. a
2: bag of well, candy, we
1: just do it again. but <laughs> I'm done.
0: i you.
1: No, I like uh, Sour Patch Kids, anything that you can kind of grab a lot of and get a lot of different flavors I'm a fan of. So uh, I don't know why whenever I go on a long ride in the car, I always need a salted nut roll. Like I don't really want to eat one any other time, but it's, you know what, I'm going to be in the car for three hours peanuts and marshmallow and stuff. I need this.
0: Yeah. I like a salted nut roll on occasion. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> what are your top five, like, top five candy bars?
2: Top five candy bars? Yeah. Uh, whatchamacallit
1: has to be number one. Uh, salted nut roll, Snickers, Snickers almond, and then, um, uh, Ooh, ooh, that fifth spot. I think there's so
2: many options now. I don't know if I can just nail this down.
1: I don't know. Ooh, that's a good one. Let's uh, maybe uh, one of those mini sneaker. Uh, ooh, Reese's sticks. Do those count as a yeah as candy bars? I think. Yeah. Okay.
0: I like the Reese's. I think they're the Nutrageous, maybe? Mm-hmm. Those are pretty good.
2: Yeah. I thought that was pretty hard.
0: Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask Cold Stone Tim Boston about ice cream.
2: Yeah. I, let's see.
0: So what's your favorite ice cream?
2: My favorite ice cream
1: is The ice cream that I had at Ted and Wally's, which was uh for me, it's literally like if you went in and said, I want the Tim Bottom ice cream, they knew to give you this ice cream, which at any other time that it was released was called meat cake because it actually had chunks of meat in it. I want to say it had like a pork, uh, but it was like a was like a syrupy. There's very sweet flavor, and then there were little tiny chunks of meat in it. Uh, but Ted and Wally's, there's two convenient locations where you can get professional wrestling tickets at every month uh, one in Benson, one in downtown Omaha. Uh, they it was the fastest selling <coughs> ice cream that they had. Um, Ted and Wally's is great because they support professional wrestling here in the Omaha area. And every couple months, they say, We're going to bring a wrestler in, we're going to make kind of their custom creation. We'll see how it goes. And mine sold out in two weeks.
0: And it had meat in it.
2: Yeah, and I uh, think little chunks of apple. It was very
0: interesting. Yeah, I like ice cream, and I like meat. Don't get me wrong, I do <laughs> not put meat in my ice cream. Yeah, yes. I didn't get that. But I did. It is... I'm a <laughs> oh. Oh, are you? Uh,
1: they gave me an ice cream scoop, uh, ice cream uh, cone with it in there. I went, this is phenomenal. I went, when does this go on sale on sale? And they go, right now. And then they gave me a pint container of it, so I was able to take that home. Uh, I had friends and family coming out, uh, coming into town and saying, like, let's try this ice cream. Like, they blew through it so fast. Um, so yeah, that's that's been my favorite. The one that I get regularly, though, I'm a… I don't know. I'm probably like an old man when it comes to like ice cream. I love butter pecan. I love butter brickle. Like, it's just something about those flavors, those tastes. I don't know. Bring me back to when I was a little kid. Um,
0: You also like circus peanuts. So, circus peanuts? Yeah.
2: If they made a
1: circus peanut ice cream, heaven, I'd faint.
0: So, if you could build, like, what would be your ultimate, like, banana split? Like, you have three kinds of ice cream, whatever sauce you want, banana, and then whatever other, like, random toppings. Go.
1: Okay. So, (laughs) you have to split the banana going long way, and then you build inside. So, you have the bananas on the outside. I think you have to go with the three classic stacks of ice cream. So, your chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. That's the important one. On the vanilla side, I would do a peanut butter fudge. On the strawberry side, I would make sure to get cherries, um, either maraschino cherries or sort of cherry syrup. On the chocolate, got to go with fudge. I think that chocolate chocolate is underrated. I think people are like, too much of the same. No, we're doubling up this time.
0: And then what would you put like sprinkles or candy pieces or whipped cream? I
1: would be talking off on cold. See a lot of candy that people want to put in ice cream, it tends to get very hard. So you have this weird conglomerate of textures, which is you have soft ice cream <laughs> and then rock hard candy bits. It's just it's hard to chew, it's hard, it's weird to eat. Um but I think you go with sprinkles. I think you do a mixture of rainbow sprinkles and chocolate sprinkles. I think you gotta mix them together.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> so everyone should buy you circus peanuts then and bring them to shows for you?
1: It'll probably take me over the rest of the year to eat them, but yeah, <laughs> I would not turn them away. <laughs> I will actively trade people at merch. Uh, I've got shirts to sell. I've got stickers and buttons and all that stuff. you bring me some circus peanuts, you're walking away with a wristband that says Powered by Ice Cream. You're walking away with a pin that says Cryonic Redneck on it. You're getting a sticker. You're getting a magnet. It looks like a giant ice cream scoop, which based off that one.
0: <laughs> so bring to Boston Circus Peanuts. Hashtag that. Mm-hmm.
2: We are.
1: I'm very pro-candy. <laughs>
0: <coughs> so um, what is your favorite? Did I ask you what your favorite city to wrestle in is? I think I no. was going to ask you, and I didn't because I got sidetracked. What a surprise.
1: Um, my favorite city, I wrestle in Omaha quite a bit. I'm wrestling there two to three times a month. Um, now that COVID restrictions are letting up a little bit, now that people are starting to get vaccinated more, events are starting to get a little bit more packed and so more people, it's fun to kind of get out there again. People are hungry for entertainment, they're hungry, hungry for that interaction again. Uh, but I love wrestling in anywhere in Minnesota. That has been such a great state to wrestle in. Um, they have some really talented wrestlers up there. People like Darren Corbin and Eric Cannon. They have the, uh, the Academy, which, um, Ken Anderson, I think he's, I think he's still up there. Arya Davari, um, and Sean Devari, they were like guest trainers and head trainers up there. I think Eric Cannon's even a trainer up there. Um but they just have so much young talent. There is so much wrestling up there. I think I heard a story that Eric Cannon wrestled three shows in one day. And he was able to wrestle, get in the car, drive to another show, wrestle, drive to another show, and end his night on, like, three different shows. Like, that's that's incredible. Um, uh, Arizona, uh, Mesa, Arizona was very receptive of the type of wrestling that I do of The story that Serial Man and I told that we were down there, um, so that was a lot of fun. I have yet to find a city that doesn't like <laughs> the type of wrestling that I do, and the type of wrestling that I'm inter- that I'm entertained by, that I'm active in. Um, I love uh, comedic wrestling. I love like high action, intense wrestling. I love that stuff, I and mean, I try to kind of blend the two—a very physical, comedy style of professional wrestling. Um, going. Eric Cannon was wrestling on IWTV live during this interview. Yeah, I think that's for Time Bomb, right? Isn't that who uh, who they're wrestling with? Yeah. So, um…
0: Duke was on there, too.
1: (laughs) He what? There you go. See? I think Duke and Carver. Uh, and Carver, I think, wore a good jacket. Let's hope he nailed that job interview. So, (laughs) uh, I have yet to find a city that that I haven't liked. Um, some it's easier to get to than others. That's really no fault of the city on its own, but, uh, I don't know. There's always been good crowds. There's always been good people to wrestle in front of, and, um, they've always enjoyed being entertained in the type of wrestling that I like to do. Um, I kind of dropped some names there a little bit. Let's kind of run that back once or twice uh, a little bit more. Uh, if I had to, if I can get like a dream match, it would be against one of three competitors, it'd be against, uh, myself versus Kikitaro. Myself versus Colt Cabana, or Toru Yano out of New Japan. Those are three guys that have really defined what comedic wrestling is. They all do it very differently, but they all do it very effectively. Those, when I just kind of need to just scroll YouTube or scroll IWTV for some wrestling matches, those are the three names I'm looking for. So, um, what
0: would, I know that you've done a lot of tag team wrestling especially
1: recently, who would be, like, your dream tag partner? Ooh. Ooh. That's a good one. See, I'm trying to think of myself more as, like, a a singles wrestler, so I'm trying to watch and get into more, like, singles-type wrestling and see who's kind of hot on anything like, how are people kind of mixing up singles matches to kind of make them unique and make them different. Tag team wrestling is something I don't think too much about as far as, like, dream partners. There's always, like, the dream opponent. People are like, oh, Rogue Warriors back in the day, Legion of Doom back in the day, Mega Powers, you know, those guys. I'd love to wrestle those guys. I've never thought about who a tag team partner would be, though. Um, I don't know. The Big Show? I'd let him take heat. I don't know. See, I
0: thought you'd maybe say, like, Stone Cold. So it could be, like, stone cold and cold stoned?
1: I think he would beat the crap out of me in the locker room, and that match would never start.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what is your favorite move to take, and what is your favorite move to give?
1: Um whenever i can i always want to take spine busters from people i love popping up on someone's shoulders getting the eyes real big and then hitting that mat and selling it like i was hit by a car i love that that is my thing uh favorite move to give though um hurricane used to do this move and i've tried to work it a little bit more in kind of put a spin on it it, not a whole lot of people do it. It's, it's kind of like duck under neck breaker. That's probably one of my favorites just because it's so different than from what everyone else does. Um, I use that pro wrestling Phoenix is a different, um, move, a different move set, a different character than Tim Boston, than the cold Stone, Tim Boston character. I'm part of a tag team there. Uh, I'm, I work primarily as a heel at that company. And so I do a much different moveset than I, than what I do at Magnum Pro or party hard or whatever it might be. Um. But uh, yeah, he he did this one movie to kind of trap people's arms, almost like the Al Snow trapping headbutt, except he puts his head on their chest, spins around in the wind they pivot, it's right up the neckbreaker. It's really cool. It's one of my favorite moves to do just because you don't see anything like it, and it's so unique.
0: So do you have any pre-match rituals? Is there something that you do every time before you come out, or… Like, do you always wear the same pair
1: of socks? Like, I don't know. I actually do have a pair of Lucky Socks, and it's from um, this company that they make a uh, kind of a high-powered coffee that it's supposed to be for, like, instead of taking a pre-workout, drink this zero-calorie coffee, it's got more caffeine in it, it's going to get you ready for the day or ready for your workout. Go kill it! it's caffeine and kilos they make a pair, they have a pair of socks that fit that fall just about two inches underneath my boots they've held up for five years they're five. so they're kind of my favorite pair of socks whenever i have to go wrestle somewhere for the first time or it's kind of like a high profile match and i kind of get the get the butterflies going I put those socks on and it kind of just goes hey like just kind of grounds me a little bit it's like in the die hard when he takes his shoes off he grounds himself in the hotel, it helps him feel at home because you can feel the carpet on his toes. That's kind of the reverse for me. I put something on my feet, but whatever.
0: So, um, what, and we were kind of talking about this before we hopped on air. So, um, you inspired me to, to ask because it was so funny. <laughs> um, what are some of the weirdest requests you've gotten as a wrestler, either from fans or Randomly on social media, stuff that you can talk about, nothing like that you don't like out anybody or whatever.
1: Oh, um, so I shared a picture that I got some new wrestling boots a couple of years ago, and uh, I post a picture, I say, Cool, new wrestling boots, can't wait to break these in. And the next day, I had about four spam messages from people like, Hey, if I send you money, can you cut a promo tying your boots, telling me that I'm not good enough to be in the locker room with you, that I need to get out of you, that I need to, I need to get, away, that I need to get away from you, that I'm, call me bootlinker. Like, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's a little strange. Like, not, not shaming, just not my thing. Just a little strange. Um, I had someone on Instagram message me if I would meet them somewhere to give them a wedgie. I think people want to be beat up, which is really funny because I'm not overly tall. I'm five foot 11 and I weigh about 165 pounds. I'm not a, I'm not a big person. Uh, so to think that I could overpower them or something is kind of strange. Um, what? What else? I had someone uh, a few weeks ago ask if I would wear a particular style of underwear and then just video chat with them. They claimed that they would give me $1,000, and when I said I want half up front, otherwise I'm not doing anything, they stopped talking to me altogether. So I'm going to go out and a and say they didn't have a $1,000. Or maybe they're getting it right now. I don't know. I'll have to check my messages when we're done.
0: <laughs> Get it where you can. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's uh, that's the thing that's kind of been about um <laughs> professional wrestling is the fandom is very is very unique it, it casts a very wide net and i wasn't familiar with like the custom scene or people wanting custom matches um especially from male wrestlers i thought that was more of like a uh, like a female centric uh industry like the the custom style matches because i've seen people that um on twitter advertise with their custom matches hey tell me the moves you want to see tell me the scenarios you want to put together pay for it here and this company helps me film it and it's a very it's very presented very casually like oh this is this is what i'm doing on friday let me know what you want and this is very the set conversations very casual and natural so for me i have i'm not famous uh i have no cash The fans that see me only see me at wrestling shows. I've never been recognized outside of wrestling shows. Uh, and so the fact that I have people messaging me going like, hey, can you kind of promo on me wearing your wrestling boots or can you meet me somewhere and give me a wedgie? It's like, I think you have the wrong account. I'm not that, I'm not famous at all. So I, I, I have nothing to
0: follow that up with. That's just remarkable. Perfect. So, <laughs> like, what do you do? Um, yeah. So, just switching gears completely. Um, what are your future plans and dreams, and what keeps you motivated, both either in wrestling or out of wrestling, or, or both?
1: Uh, there was a couple of years ago. I kind of hit a wall, and I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm done wrestling. I'm not having fun. I'm not like promotions weren't getting back to me i just had a really hard time getting new opportunities and new experiences i was like i think i'm kind of done uh it's like maybe like you did it you had a little bit of success you were able to kind of live out some of those dreams you had when you were an annoying 10 year old but maybe it's you know maybe you put the boots on for the last time and then uh I just kind of can't get this feeling. It's like you haven't proven yourself yet. You haven't checked those boxes yet. There's companies that I've been watching for years that I think I'm finally to the point where I can bring something new to their locker room that is beneficial to their show, that is going to be entertaining to their fans. And so for me, it's um, it's getting to work those promotions. And because I'm a big believer of, getting things out in the universe i'm just going to drop those right here i would love to work for first wrestling i would love to work for camp leapfrog i would love to work for hood slam and wrestling pro wrestling over in california those are like my four bucket list promotions Uh, i would love to wrestle serial man one more time i would love to wrestle Kikitaro as a first i met him in a utah airport years ago and so I say to bring it full circle, I would love to do one of those, how it started, how it, how it's going, tweets that shows me and Kiki in the airport and then me and Kiki shaking hands in a wrestling ring. I would love to have those. Um, but really kind of the thing that kind of keeps me going is a lot of the people that I still travel with. A lot of the people that I still work with regularly have helped me so much in getting started and getting up and running as a wrestler and saying, let's see how you're reaching out to promotions. Let me reread that. Let's twist it here. Let's add this. Let's kind of shine this up a little bit more to make you more appealing. Uh, I want to say thank you to them. And so I really want to help them in whatever way (laughs) that they can. Um, if it's helping them with shirt designs or merch designs, if it's, uh, Hey, I'm getting booked here. I need two other people that want to jump in the car. Can, are you free of, you know, kind of help giving back is what they've helped me with, you know, giving it back to them. Um, and then also showing, um, uh, like, Hey, i I'm paying attention and the things that you have taught me, I'm learning and I'm putting them into practice. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your experience. Thank you for your, you know, for sharing. Uh, to help me become a better performer and a better wrestler. So for me, it's really about gratitude and just giving back to the people that have helped me.
0: So, um, uh, who... go ahead. Oh, sorry. As I say, who would you put in your wrestle car if you had to drive to Minot, North
2: Dakota? <laughs> Minot, North Dakota. Um,
0: who could you be in the car with for wow. that long?
2: And for that long? Um. charismatic canine yellow dog I think first and foremost uh, i trying to
1: think who else I would say Donnie Pepper Cricket which I think you've interviewed on him, uh, him before but he falls asleep 10 minutes in, in any car ride so if he's driving that's very dangerous for the rest <laughs> of us um, uh, I'm trying to think uh, I don't know. Like I drive so much by myself that I'm just like I'll just jump in the car and I'll drive seven hours, eight hours somewhere. Who cares? Let's have fun. Like I just, I just enjoy those experiences. Uh, but the people that I've driven with most recently have been Jason Strife, Mickey Scent, and Yellow Dog. Uh, we make regular trips into Minnesota or uh, into Sioux Falls with those guys.
0: So, outside of wrestling, like, what are your hobbies?
1: What do you enjoy doing? What well, I enjoy doing? So I'm um, — I don't um, get to stream it very often, uh, but I do enjoy playing computer games, I do enjoy playing video games, I do a lot of uh, drawing. I am a professional and freelance graphic designer, so um, if you see anything on my Twitch streams, some of the matchup graphics that you're seeing kind of at the bottom of this Twitch stream here. I did those, and so I work in Adobe Illustrator and Adobe Photoshop regularly. Um, that's really kind of what it is. That's really what I do in my time. Indeed. Um,
0: you're, I enjoy your graphic design work. I, <laughs> the, the stack logo is a Tim Boston design special, so.
1: It is. It's great. That was the one thing that um, it's great to see, like you and I can enjoy that logo and we can really appreciate, you know, Hey, this is great. I like it. And then when you put it out in the public space and people jump on it and they go, Oh, that's awesome, man. That's a great feeling. That's one of the best top three feelings in the world is when you can put something out there and people want it. I, I love it. It's, it's my logo,
0: but it's also like. It's in part like your logo. Like you did that for me. And I appreciate it. It's wonderful. Um, I have it as one of my little Twitch emote things. And I spam that. that in every channel that I go into. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody sees that logo. <laughs> so what upcoming shows do you have? So
1: well, let's see. A, a couple. Uh, this Saturday at Magnum Pro. Uh, we're actually doing a show called Brood Awakening, which is at a beer house, the Rascal Beer House in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, in June, though, uh, I did have some dates open up, June 5th and June 12th. Those are empty for me. You now, Robin Wrestling at PWP Live in Benson, Nebraska on the 11th. Uh, I make a new city, new state, new promotion debut on the 26th, um, Rock Falls, Illinois with Homegrown Wrestling. And then, um... Got magnum pro on the 2nd of july possibly we've got some details to work out um yeah that's kind of where i'm at right now uh magnum pro if there's ever a saturday that i'm not booked somewhere i run up and do their patreon tapings which you can do their patreon for five dollars a month Uh, now you can see me on there pretty regularly so much wrestling on the
0: patreon those Patreon tapings are a hoot. Yeah. I've been to two. <laughs> um, so what would you tell a 10-year-old version of yourself?
1: I think I would just need to stick with it. Um, kind of everything that I did as a kid and as a teenager and as a a young adult has led me to this point. So it's like, I'm having fun wrestling. It's probably the most fun prof- in professional wrestling that I've had in a long time. And so it's uh, it's just a, been kind of one great experience after another, one great, one great show after another, one great match after another. It's kind of like, you know what, just stick with it. It's going to, you know, things are going to get difficult. Things are going to be tough. You know, you may not always see that there's light at the end of the tunnel, but stick with it. Something's going to happen.
0: So, um, kind of winding down, I have a couple of questions and I'm sure that there were probably questions in chat that we can go over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you take your pancakes?
2: I like... Uh, the Kodiak
1: Cakes protein pancake mix. Uh, I like to get them a little crispy on the outside. I know some people kind of undercook them so they're a little more doughy. I like a solid pancake that you can essentially grab from one side and pick up off the plate and still have it hold together. So I need a little bit of a bark to it, a little bit of a char. And do you just eat it dry? No, I'm not a crazy person. (laughs) I <laughs> said I do have a funny story about dry pancakes. Uh, no, I uh, loaded up with syrup. I mean to the point where I want people to question if I <laughs> killed someone in a vat of syrup, that I've drowned my pancake in that much syrup. Um,
0: We've had a couple people I mean, on here that have eaten their pancakes dry, like no butter, no syrup, nothing.
1: I've seen I don't know a, how a story that I'm seeing that Ricky Gibson Oh,
0: that was was on our Go unfollow him
1: (laughs) on on Twitter. That's uh, that's bad karma. You can't put that out there.
0: But we were all like, excuse (laughs) me. Serial
1: killer bag. It's
0: just like, it makes you really question a person, you know? (laughs) So you're a big syrup guy on your crispy Kodiak cakes.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you
0: use just regular maple syrup, or do you use any sort of flavored syrups?
1: Uh, I do like the flavored syrups. Like, there's some that kind of have like a cherry to them, or there's some that have like a like that real that kind of like heavy. It's like a maple vanilla, think, kind of mix. Uh, you know what any syrup I'm good with. Yeah. Oh, and I do put a little bit of peanut butter if I have a stack of pancakes going. Kind of take a nice spread of peanut butter between the pancakes. It's good, that's good quality living to me.
0: I, I, I've done that before. Um, I've made pancakes and then not had regular syrup and I've used, um, like caramel ice cream topping.
1: Yeah. That, have you ever put applesauce on your pancakes?
0: Um, one time I had Danny make me cinnamon apple pancakes. So kind of.
1: Yeah. Uh, and growing up, someone's like, "Put pancake, put ap- uh, applesauce on your waffles." and I'm like, "Dad, no, there's no way this tastes good." And I've kind of carried it over into applesauce on pancakes, and yeah, pretty good.
0: So I'm I'm gonna set like a scene for you. So like, imagine yourself. You're like, I'm I'm hungry, and I kind of want something sweet, and you're like. You know, I think that I'm going to go to the store and get some cookies. Mm-hmm. And you go to the store and you, you're you looking at the cookie aisle and you're like, you know what? I want America's favorite cookie. I'm an American and I want Oreos. And you're looking at the wall of Oreos. And there's There's different flavors and types. I know they make like chocolate covered ones now, mm-hmm. but you're like, I'm gonna settle on like like just the just the classic flavor of Oreo. Like, are you going like single stuff or are you going double stuff? Double. My man, mm-hmm.
1: that is they, the unofficial a,
0: correct answer to that question.
1: Do they also make a triple stuff? or Am I? Like, am I <laughs> they make like a double stuff. Yeah. With like. See, to me, even I don't think you stuff. can do it. I think you have to give it a number. You've already said it's double. So what's mega? Three times? Four times? Just say that.
0: I honestly, I feel like at one point I had seen that some school class, I, well, I even want if it was in Nebraska, but I could be wrong, um, took the cream out of a double-stuffed Oreo to decide if it was really double-stuffed, and it was not yeah. really double-stuffed.
1: someone is commenting that they have Oreo fins, don't torture yourself.
0: Why would to you me, do it's that? either
1: eat the, eat the whole hog Oreo or don't eat it at all. Don't don't torture yourself like that.
0: I recently, like you can get like the little bags of Oreos and they're, but they have like, they're covered in chocolate. It's like, they went bloop, and then they've oh. covered Oreos. And I'm not gonna lie, they're pretty good.
1: Yeah. Uh, I had the the blonde Oreos, the ones with, like, the vanilla cookies. Oh, yeah. I didn't really care for them.
0: You're not a golden Oreos kind of guy?
1: I don't. If there, want... n- if there were no other Oreos to eat, yeah, I'd eat them. But if there was, like, here's a stack of regular Oreos, and here's a stack of these golden abominations, i got kind of go with the regular ones.
0: Golden abominations. Have you done any of, like, the flavored Oreos at all?
1: Uh, The red velvet ones are really good. Um, I don't know. I got the pride ones, and there was something about, like, the coloring. Like, the the filling seemed a little more waxy, and I think it was to keep the flag colors in order and not to kind of have it blend together in this weird kind of off-brown filling. Uh, But I don't know. They tasted waxy, almost like it was like a Play-Doh Oreo that I'd gotten tricked into eating.
0: Jokes on you mm-hmm. So, um do we have any questions from
3: the chat? Well, of course we do. Of course Brilliant. we do. So well, some, yeah. some of them have been answered already. Um, <laughs> but but that's okay. That is okay. We will still we will still give these people their shout outs during this time. So, The first question I think was kind of half answered and it comes from Sue dog 83, who asks, uh, favorite wrestling match, (laughs) favorite wrestling match you've been in and also your favorite match that you have seen. Uh,
1: probably my favorite one that I've been in, I was in a casket match in 2018. That uh from what I did a little bit of digging, I don't think there was ever a casket match done in Nebraska. Um, and so we were kind of the first one on that. Uh one of the big spots in that was when I got power bombed onto a ice cream cone bed of nails. So instead Ooh. of barbed wire sticking up from a board, it was cup style ice cream cones that I had glued to a board. Um, that was like a lot of fun just because it was creative, people got into it. It wasn't a lot of fun because the board was not long enough to bend, so it was like hitting a solid rock when someone slammed me on top of it. Um, if you dig through my pinned tweet on Twitter, it kind of—I have some of the, the matches that I like, some promos that I like, kind of help you get a taste of what Tim Boston is, and kinda, so that way you kind of know what I what I'm going to pull off and know what I'm going to do at wrestling shows. Um, I think that spot when I get power bombed onto the, bed, uh, the ice cream cone bed of nails is there. Um, but that's one of my that's one of my favorite matches, just because it was kind of the first big feud that I had. Uh, people really got behind me. I was a bad guy at the time, but the crowd was split. They were chanting for the other guy. They were chanting for me. Um, it was kind of cool. It was just one of those magical feelings that you're like this. This can only be done in pro wrestling, and and I did it. Like it was one of those just adrenaline things. Uh, favorite match that I've seen. Ooh, um, probably Toru Yano versus Colt Cabana at ring of honor when they were in Chicago.
3: Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. This next one is from Pete sanctions. You've basically answered both of them. The first one was bucket list matches and opponents. We, we heard you run through those. We heard you mm-hmm. talk about some promotions that you want to wrestle in uh, I'll tweak his second question and say where in the U.S. or in the, in the world, where else do you want to actually wrestle in destination-wise?
1: Uh, I have recently, I've come to discover that I have a lot of fans in Germany. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, and so I, I would love to go wrestle in Germany one day. Uh, they even tagged WXW Um, and they're like, please put him in the 16 karat tournament. We need Tim Boston in Germany. And, uh, I don't know if it's like a joke at my expense, but I woke up one morning with about 20 new followers, all speaking German or, uh, tweeting at me very, very broken English. I had somebody say good morning to Tim Boston and Tim Boston only. And I thought that was really cool. Um, Nice. how
0: did they find you?
1: It's Twitter. Uh, it's who knows. That's the crazy part. Who knows? Uh, but I had to do uh, do a lot of Google translating to see if I was being made fun of on the on the fly. <laughs> so I'm like I, this, I'm paranoid. I think everything is a, is a joke at my expense. So when um, when they're like, "Good morning, King," you know, "Have a good night," to Tim Boston, you know, whatever it was, I was like, "Let's look into this," because I bet I'm the butt of somebody's joke. You know?
3: uh-huh. Okay. This next no, yeah, question, so, uh, oh, this next question comes from our, our very own TBM Christopher. He wants to know what your favorite shirt you've designed is.
1: Oh, that would be the one that I'm wearing right now. Uh, I have all my shirts over available on What A Maneuvers. If you can just search uh, Colstone or Tim Boston, and you'll find it. I think I linked to it on my Twitter account um this one's one of my favorite ones either that uh this one or um the three color halftone half tone print that says chilling chilling me softly
3: cool and i'm sure christopher is going to be putting the link to your what a maneuver in the chat here How momentarily right? so okay um, I,
0: I apologize uh, no. to, to, <laughs> to jump off that um i know that you've designed shirts for a lot of the people here but Feel you like you've recently done some design work for Beyond? Is that accurate?
1: Yeah. I'm uh, not supposed to be three, talking about uh, that. Three t-shirt designs. No. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to book me, so I don't want to
0: talk about
1: um, <laughs> Uh I did three t-shirt three, three designs for Beyond Wrestling. They wanted to kind of partner with um, wrestlers that are also designers and say, now... Nah things are starting to open up let's showcase the talent that you have outside of the ring um i've also done work for sanjay dutt i did a couple shirts for him um i don't know if they're still up on his pwt store but i did probably three or four shirts for sanjay um but it was kind of crazy because everyone wanted to get an email that says hey tim my friend are you free this weekend we just hash out designs and stuff like that so that was a, that was really cool to get those emails and um that's really um I just sent off a design to Chris Bay. So hopefully he says, yeah, this is cool. Let's work with that. Um, uh, Shane Taylor, I just did four shirts for Shane Taylor. So he's got a, um, uh, what a maneuver store up. That was really cool because I had just watched his match with Joe Hendry earlier in the day. And the next thing I know, I get an email saying, Hey man, I need some, I need some help. And I heard you're the design guy. What can we do? And so that was really cool. Uh Shay Taylor's been uh he's a cool guy to watch. I he's not a guy I would want to wrestle in the ring. That guy looks like he hits hard and he moves real freaking fast. But uh uh no, it's cool to see those guys that's like, Oh, I, I saw them on T V and then um they're actually emailing you saying, Hey, can we work together? Can we collaborate? And it's like, Okay, try not to fanboy out too hard, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess we can, you know, try to play it off really casual. But,
3: that's awesome. And and if you I don't know if you saw Chris just, but Chris Bay was an alumni of the Bald Monkeys podcast. And actually very cool. Our first interview. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. All because of Christopher.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, let's see. Now the next one I felt kind of was answered. Again, it's from Sue Dog. And it talks about your current goal in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Do you have one where we? Uh, I think Val asked, where do you see yourself going? So I didn't know if there was anything else as in like a current goal right now.
1: Uh, current goal right now is to really just kind of check off one of those bucket list promotions. Um, to me though, I think I really have to step up. You're seeing people get a lot more notice, a lot more attention due to, um, uh, their interactions, their following on social media. I'm working on that. I think I'm closing in on a thousand followers on Twitter. I'm trying to get more video content put out, trying to film more promos and trying to make more interesting promos so that, uh, there's a reason to kind of pay attention when Tim Boston tweets something or shares a link to something. People want to go see it. They want to interact and engage with it. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think if I can kind of get to that next bump. Um, as far as like social media goes, I think that going to open up some doors for me. Um, but yeah, uh, first wrestling is starting to run again. I would love to be on one of their shows. Um, I'd love to get out to future stars of wrestling in Vegas. Um, I, have actually been in talks with them a couple of times, um, uh, and then Freelance uh, out in Chicago, that's another area that I'm trying to break into. Um, homegrown with them being in Rock Falls with them being in Illinois, they're not too far from the Chicago scene, a lot of the, the elbows. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that show. A month from now, at the end of June, I think if I can go out there and, and impress some people and this sounds really corny to say, but in the way that only I can, um, I'm hoping that's kind of a next set of doors for me to get through.
3: Very cool. Sue Dog also asked about hobbies outside of wrestling, and I believe we touched on that as well. But the one that I really want to get to from Sue is talking about a favorite forehead. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: So Sue Dog, he wrestles uh, here in Omaha and to make fun of a poster, I was like, I need to put a spin on this and I need to put something to it to kind of get people to make a double take. And so I photoshopped his forehead to be about six inches taller than it currently was. And then I didn't say anything about it. People are like, does he always look like that? I'm like, yeah, guy's intense.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just left it there, just, just, as did Chris with just, the chicken in the pants.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have this t shirt. It's, um, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin's body, but it's towed from Super Mario Brothers' head. And so whenever I'll wear it and cut it in promos, people are like, what is he wearing? I'm like, those are Levi's jeans, man. You can't make fun of classics. (laughs) I'm like, what are you talking about?
3: Okay. Well, that was all the questions that we had from the chat, but.
1: Oh, I did Uh see one come through that was like, how did you recognize Pete Gitaro in the airport? (laughs) Okay. uh, We were both in the Utah airport in 2017. um, I think maybe 2018 and he's just tweeting out i'm in utah airport i'm uh i'm flying to i'm vegas to utah what should i do what what, you know what's going on what's everyone up to and i'm like hey i'm also flying from vegas to utah what what gate are you at like i'm at this gate and so it's honestly me standing up trying to see i'm like okay who's on their phone who's tweeting who can i see and so i see a guy turn around and he looks at me and he looks at his phone and he looks at points and stuff like that and so we just messaged like hey i know we're in very different department you know parts of this airplane but when we land can i snap a quick photo with you real quick he's like yeah absolutely and so we land i meet him at the gate he pulls the mask out of the bag takes a quick selfie mask back off
3: all right have a nice trip
1: and on his way And so uh, that's kind of like my claim to fame with meeting Kikitaro.
3: that's awesome Christopher just uh, told me that I missed one in the chat this one's from head cheese one two Three. six yep there you go uh, the question is thoughts on the Shrek 2 soundtrack and also what is your favorite ice cream topping
1: see that's the thing I think Shrek one was such a success and really topped the last guard. It was the. Olderly commercial Disney style of of uh, animated comedy drama, uh, and so I thought the Strike Two soundtrack. I don't. Know, I think as far as like the soundtracks go, I think I got to go with one. I think I think the one is the better one. Um, I don't know. I'm a big soundtrack person. I love kind of like those collections of songs, uh, so it's fun. But as far as like I can't, I can't think of like what the big hit song off Strike Two soundtrack is. Maybe. Probably good, but not that memorable. Favorite ice cream topping? Uh, More ice cream.
3: <laughs> I think that's a good topping. Okay. So, Chris, if I'm... Uh, there we go. And Chris just popped in but, you know, the picture. Man, he is on it. Fast. You right? can
1: see how fast we were moving because nothing's focused.
3: <laughs> <laughs> in and out. Okay. So, Tim, I want to know, are, are you ready... For the lightning round, 10 questions as quick as you can.
1: Uh, 10 questions. I've got 3% battery on my headphones. Let's do this.
3: Bam, let's do it. Okay, question number one Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? No. Do you snore? Yes. What is your favorite TV channel? cartoon network okay fastest speed you've ever driven in a car
1: 115
3: a very important question are cats assholes
1: yes that's a capital yes
3: have you ever stolen anything yes favorite board game to play monopoly you mentioned you like stand-up comics when you're listening to them in the car. What's your favorite stand-up comic?
1: Oh, Pat Oswalt is probably Heads and Tails the one I go to the most.
3: Okay. Tacos, hard shell or soft shell? Yes. <laughs> and the last one, here we go. Are you annoyed that we don't have flying cars like in the Jetsons and Back to the Future and teleportation like in Star Trek?
1: No, I saw someone pull out of a parking spot yesterday and sideswipe two cars. I don't want that happening in the air. <laughs> no, I'm not disappointed if you don't have flying cars.
3: Well, that is that is a 10 questions. That's a lightning round. Thank you. Bam. And and hopefully we're in before the 3% is over.
1: I think we're good. I think we're in by the here. Well, I can't really say that hair on my chinny-chin-chin. Chin. <laughs> I got a little bit of space to go with, but... Uh, and we got 1% left. So that took 2% whole battery <laughs> points, but no, Man. we're good. That was fun.
3: Well, Val, back to you. Well, on, on that note, this
0: has been The Stack. I'm Val Pancakes, and this has been Tim Boston. And please follow him on all social media outlets and check out his matches in Magnum Pro and Party Hard on IWTV.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank, you for,
0: thank you for joining us tonight.
1: Thanks for having me, Val.